Today on Blue 58, it's time to take a look at this year's cornerback class. This is another spot where the Packers don't technically have a need, but it wouldn't hurt to invest either. Where do they pull the trigger? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am very happy to be with you here for another episode. There are a lot of players to talk about in this episode. Just among the top 100 prospects on the consensus mock draft board, we've got 15 guys to go through. So we're pretty much going to restrict this discussion to those top 15 guys. Usually we try to go a little bit beyond that. But I think you can see the talent tailing off by the time we get to the later stages of the top 100 or so. And I think that'll come through here in this analysis. You'll see some of the guys we're looking at are probably never going to be like top two corners on a given team. Once you get to that point, the top end of the class is really interesting. But overall, it is an interesting cornerback class. There are a lot of really good athletes in this class. Among the, let's see, I've got 28 guys with that I've run the numbers on, only seven where I actually have testing numbers did not test as elite athletes according to relative athletic score. There's two other guys that we don't have testing numbers on, but there are just a lot of really, really good athletes in this class, and some of them are really making up for a lack of size uh, because relative athletic score takes in, into account how big you are, obviously, because if you can do athletic things at, at a bigger size, it means more than if you can do comparable things at a smaller size. But some guys are really making up for a relative lack of size uh, in their athletic testing numbers and still putting up remarkable, remarkable overall athleticism scores. What are we looking at? Well, we'll get to that in a second because I think we need to talk really about what the Packers might need from this class because that, I think, is where it gets a little bit tricky. If you were just taking the best player available and there was a cornerback that's one of those consensus top three or four guys from this class available at 15, well, you might think long and hard about it. All things being equal, it's never a bad idea to add another corner. But what do the Packers actually need? Probably not an outside corner. You've got Jair Alexander. You've got Rasul Douglas, who I think is at his best on the outside. And you've got Eric Stokes whenever he comes back from injury. In theory, those spots are pretty much taken. In theory, they also don't necessarily need a slot either. Keyshawn Nixon will be in the slot. Rasul Douglas can play the slot. They'll try to do Darnell Savage there again, I think, in some capacity. So they'll say that they've got it covered, but they probably do need somebody who can play in the slot because Keyshawn Nixon going to that role on an even bigger basis than where he was last year is a big jump for him, and it may detract from some of the other things that he does well for the Packers. I would rather have Rasul Douglas on the outside. I think he's better there, generally speaking. Though, according to some of the, the numbers that we looked into earlier this offseason, it was pretty much a matchup issue for him, whether he performed well inside or on the outside. It wasn't that he was so much better on the outside than he was in the slot or that he you know just was a revelation in the slot because he hadn't done it much before. It's pretty much just a matchup-based thing. He can he can play well there, and he's great against the run in that capacity. But I think for the overall service of the Packers' defense, it's probably better to have him on the outside or maybe even at safety. And I think we all kind of understand that Darnell Savage isn't going to be the answer for the Packers as a slot cover guy. Complicating this 
is the fact that slot corners aren't really a thing in college. You're either getting moved there in the pros because you aren't big enough or whatever enough to play on the outside, the more valuable position in college, uh, or you were just a safety. And as we've been over, I think at length when we covered safeties, the safety class just isn't exceptional this year. There just aren't a lot of good ones, and the ones that are good are, well, they are pretty much just slot corners exclusively. And on top of that, the Packers already have a bunch of guys who theoretically have that skill set to play, you know, safety and then drop down and do that that slot corner stuff, or just do the slot corner stuff if you're Keyshawn Nixon or Rasul Douglas or whatever. They're just not very good outside of Rasul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon in, in spots or situations. So they've got a bunch of guys that they can't necessarily use. They've got a bunch of guys at other spots too. So the problem becomes, if you're looking at this from the Packers' perspective, where do you take the corner? And what are you looking for when you decide to get one? I think if it's me, and I'm trying to build out my corner room a little bit more, I'm looking for a guy who can play both. I know, you know, and on top of that, I'd love to have a pony too. But if you get a little bit of positional versatility, I don't think that certainly is a bad thing for the Packers here. The problem is, again, that's where things get a little bit complicated because there aren't a lot of guys that are playing inside and outside in college. In fact, among the guys in the top 100, there are only four who have played more than 100 snaps in the slot in addition to playing outside too. It just isn't really something that guys do a whole lot. Play slot corner and outside corner, you're really just a safety in college. So, how did we get to the guys that we talk about? Again, we took a look at the consensus mock draft top 200, and since there there are just so many cornerbacks in college football, we've got an extensive list of them, 28 names in the consensus mock draft top 200. We're just going to narrow that down to the top 100 guys for this episode. Uh, There are 15 corners in the top 100, and we'll try to look fairly in-depth at all of them. Using our old tier system, here's how that would shake out. I only exclusively, just exclusively want to talk about corners who are elite athletes. I don't really want to waste my time talking about guys that that really can't test at an elite level or even approaching an elite level. So if we were tiering all this out the way that we used to, even earlier in this, this draft cycle, we'd be looking at guys with a relative athletic score of eight or better, a 75 or better coverage grade in their final college season, which is up slightly from the past. I, w- I want to make that a little bit harder there because I think PFF's coverage grade is pretty solid in terms of projecting from college to the pros. And then I want guys with 20 or more ball hawks. So sacks, interceptions, passage, defense, forced fumbles. I want you to make plays on the ball if you're a corner. Our tier two guys are the elite athletes who just posted the 75 or better coverage grade. And then the tier three guys are the elite athletes who had 25 or more ball hawks, but didn't make the the coverage grade threshold. We're not worrying about the tier stuff as much anymore. When I build out my big board, and I'll share that when we do our final draft preview here uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, I'll I'll walk you through it tier-wise at thepowersweep.com, who we're talking about. But in terms of this discussion, we're just going to talk, talk through the 15 or so guys that come up in the top 100 consensus players, or top one, yeah, the consensus top 100 players, of which there are 15 cornerbacks. The first guy who appears on that list is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. He is sixth currently, as of my prep today, on the consensus mock draft board. Six feet one inches tall, 
197 pounds relative athletic score of 9.95, finished his college career with a 83.9 coverage grade his final college season, 21 career ball hawks. Pretty one, pretty quick ascension for Mr. Gonzalez. He started his career at Colorado, was there in 2020 and 2021, then transferred to Oregon for 2022, and really blossomed there. I don't know if I would even want to waste my time making comparisons from, from one one draft class to another. So I don't really know how he compares to some of the past really good corners at the top of other classes. But I think just looking at him, you can see why he'd be at the top of this one because he's got it all. He's got the height. He's got the athleticism. He's got speed. Makes plays all over. He doesn't quite get to our 25 ball hawks threshold, but still 21 is nothing to sneeze at. Great, great overall college resume, and I think you can see why he's the top guy in this class. Just look at him. Look at how he looks on the football field. He looks like an elite corner. Tall, long arms, fluid movements. He's got the whole package. And on top of that, for a fun fact, his father, Hector, played semi-pro basketball in Columbia. There's something you didn't know. Next cornerback up is Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. He comes in at eighth on the consensus mock draft big board. He's a little bit on the smaller side, 5'11 and a half, 181 pounds. Do not have testing numbers on him as of yet. Probably not going to get him at this point. But he projects really well everywhere else. Career coverage or final year coverage grade of 92.5, 32 ball hawks on his career. And I don't know what it is about those Illinois guys, but they are all over the ball whenever it's in the air. He started three games for Illinois as a true freshman back in 2019 and has really never looked back. He only played seven games as a junior in 2020. Everybody had problems that year with the with the pandemic, but he really took off in 2021. He was all Big Ten as a junior in 2021, and then basically all everything this past year as a senior. If you're looking, if you were doing just a traditional job interview and you were looking for progressive experience, when whatever role that you were looking to hire for, this would be your guy for that. Because he, he came in, Small role as a freshman, slightly larger role as a sophomore, just keeps building and building, and then he's one of the most decorated corners in all of football as a senior. A bit on the small side, 5'11", you can probably get away with that, but an elite coverage grade does get his hand on the ball. Of the 28 guys that I looked at, he was one of just six who played more than 100 snaps in the slot in 2022. So if you're looking for a guy with a little bit of uh, multiplicity to his game, can play multiple roles in your cornerback room, he, he's somebody you might be interested in. Do the Packers want to take him where he's probably going to grow? Well, probably not. But uh, he has the hallmarks of the sort of guy that they would probably be interested in taking if you accept the premise that I'm working on, that they should be looking for someone with some of that inside-outside versatility. Fun fact about Witherspoon, his college offers, or his initial college offers, included scholarships from Appalachian State, Georgia State, Massachusetts, Middle Tennessee, South Alabama, Southern Miss, Troy, Temple, and UAB. And despite all those offers, he originally committed to Hutchinson Community College in Kansas before ending up at Illinois the paths on which our lives our lives take us. Our next corner is a painful one for me. Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, 14th on the consensus mock draft board right now. Big guy, 6'2 and a half, 193 pounds, big tester, 9.71 relative athletic score, 
Final year college or coverage grade of 77.4, so solid there. Just 22 career ball hawks. That's why it's our tier three thing. If you miss on that, it's not the, the biggest problem in the world because chances are you may just not be getting thrown at all that much. And, you know, it, if you don't end up making plays on the ball because nobody throws your direction, that is decidedly not your problem. But anyway, uh, you may know Joey Porter from his name. Joey Porter Sr. played in the NFL for a long time, and that's why this is a painful one for me because, boy, I do not care for that at all. The fact that a lot of guys that I grew up watching play football are having juniors and sons and stuff come into the NFL, it, it says some uncomfortable things about me, and I don't want to get into them. It's really just one thing, and it's that the that certain number keeps going up. Anyway, Joey Porter Jr., reminding me of my own mortality, took a red shirt uh, to start his career at Penn State, a red shirt junior now. Took a bit of seasoning for him to get going uh, at Penn State. And it does seem like he's a a bit of a drop-off from Gonzalez and Witherspoon. Not quite as polished. Grades aren't quite as good. But overall, a really solid prospect. And if you like bigger corners, he's he certainly is one. He's one of the biggest corners in this class. Certainly one of the biggest among the top 28 or so that I looked at. Really, really solid physical profile here. Fun fact about Mr. Porter, the younger... He is majoring or has majored in rehabilitation and human services with plans to take over his mother's business, the Jasmine Nyree Day Center. And I was so intrigued by that, I had to look that up. That fun fact comes to you from his Penn State official bio. What is the Jasmine Nyree Day Center? Well, that is a privately owned center, quoting now from their website, for children with special needs. On their website, they say they are committed to working with all special needs children and young adults needing their services at the Jasmine Nyree Day Center. We believe that regardless of the need, we can help. And honestly, if that's what he wants to do with his life, I am rooting for him to get to the point in his life where he can do that as soon as he possibly can. Because we need a lot more of those kinds of people in the world than we do football cornerbacks. So I hope he sticks to that, and I hope that's a, a dream that he can realize one day. Deontay Banks out of Maryland comes in at number 23 at the Consensus Mock Draft Big Board and is our next on our cornerback discussion list. Uh, The Maryland product, 6 feet tall, 197 pounds, a perfect 10 on his relative athletic score, but a bit of an asterisk on that. We'll circle back to that here in a second. Uh, Not quite as polished in the other aspects. Just narrowly misses our threshold on... um, on coverage grade, his final year in college, he posted a coverage grade of just 74.3, according to Pro Football Focus. Ended up with just 13 and a half ball hawks, though. Two career interceptions, 11 passes defensed, according to College Football Reference. Some of their numbers may differ uh, from Maryland stat keeping, but still, that's not, that's not a great figure for a guy who's expected to be, ma- to be making plays on the ball in the secondary. He is a true senior. He had a bit of a rough stretch after a very strong, true freshman season. COVID wrecked his and just about everybody's 2020 season. Then he lost most of 2021 with an injury, playing just two games, then came back for a relatively solid senior season. A great athlete overall, though his perfect 10 relative athletic score does not include agility drills, so give him an asterisk there. Pretty good size. Seems like a guy who's never really found his perfect fit, so I think you're buying if you're drafting him thinking that there still is some growth to come. Fun fact for Mr. Banks, his sports hero is Tavon Austin, which might seem like a bit of an odd choice, but Austin is from Baltimore, just like 
Mr. Banks is. So going with the hometown hero there. Cam Smith out of South Carolina clocks in at number 35 on the consensus mock draft big board. He, too, pretty good size for a cornerback. Six feet tall and three-quarters of an inch. So round him up to 6'1", 180 pounds, so a little bit on the lighter side. 9.68 relative athletic score. His coverage grade is 64.4. Does leave something to be desired, but does have 25 career ball hawks, six interceptions, 18 passes defensed, and like Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, has a bit of experience in the slot. Logged 196 snaps there in the slot his final season at South Carolina, in addition to 357 snaps outside. He enters the draft after his redshirt junior year. He is, as I said, one of the only corners in this class with that slot experience, and they also advertise that fact on his official South Carolina bio. They really hype up the fact that he played inside there as well. So I think you like that inside-outside versatility. Obviously pretty good size, just generally speaking for a corner, real good size for the slot. Coverage grade, I would say, is a very real concern if you're looking at his profile. Why is it not better than that? I think you're taking him for traits and versatility more than the the graded performance there. And uh, I haven't dug into his previous year coverage grade, and maybe this was an outlier for him. Uh, But I think it, it does bear mentioning that he did not grade out particularly well his final season of college football. At South Carolina, Mr. Smith majored in experimental psychology. I like that as a fun fact. Maybe he's coming up with new ways to get into receivers' heads. Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State comes in at number 36 on the consensus mock draft big board. Forbes, exact same size as Smith, just considerably lighter. So six feet and six eighths of an inch, so rounded up to six foot one, but a whopping 166 pounds. Emmanuel, I haven't weighed 166 pounds since I was in eighth grade. You are a very slightly built young man. 926 relative athletic score, 89.3 coverage rate his final year in college, a 36 among his career ball hawks. And as such, he would be our very first tier one prospect if we were doing things that way in this discussion. One sack, 14 interceptions in his career, 20 passes defensed, and a fumble forced. Not too shabby there. Forbes is coming out uh, after his true junior season. He appeared in 11 games with nine starts his first year in college football. He has started all 25 games that he has appeared in since then. He hasn't received a ton of awards, but if you like plays on the ball, he makes a ton of them. A true ball-hawking corner. However, like I said, extremely slightly built. The sort of guy with that frame that you'd almost expect to end up in the slot at some point, but he only played there for eight snaps this past season compared to nearly 700 on the outside. As a fun fact for Mr. Forbes, uh, maybe he's like the business magazine because he seems to be money in at least one significant aspect. He owns the FBS career record with six career pick sixes. And if you like defensive touchdowns as I do, that is a very fun fact. Keely Ringo out of Georgia is number 37 on the consensus mock draft big board. Six foot one and six eighths, so just about six foot two. 207 pounds, really good frame here. 8-3 relative athletic score, good athlete. The other numbers, not quite as good. Even adjusting for the Georgia curve, the 70.3 coverage grade is not great. You'd think uh, with a fairly defined role at Georgia, he should be able to do a little bit better than that. That is not the case. Still came up with 21 career ball hawks, though. Not quite to our threshold, but still 
pretty solid. Ringo is coming out after his redshirt sophomore year, but has a lot of playing experience in the two seasons that he did play. He started 27 games for Georgia over the past two seasons. Seems like a really good traits project. Seems fair to say that he's still a little bit raw considering the amount of actual time that he's played college football. Now, 27 games isn't nothing, but he, he just hasn't had a lot of seasoning at the college level. So if you're if you're thinking he's probably a little bit raw, I would suspect you are probably right there. However, he does have some really great physical traits. We mentioned the size there. We mentioned the overall athleticism. He's got speed to burn, even dating back to his high school years. He had a high school personal best, for his fun fact, of 10.43 seconds in the 100-meter dash as a junior in high school. Just for your knowledge, the Olympic qualifying time for the most recent Olympic Games was 10.05 seconds. He was already getting close to being in the neighborhood for qualifying for the Olympics as a junior in high school. Julius Brents out of Kansas State clocks in at number 57 on the consensus mock draft big board. Brents is another corner with good size. 6'2 and 6'8, so just about 6'3, 198 pounds. 9.99 relative athletic score, a 75.5 coverage grade but just 17 ball hawks, not quite so good. He started out at at Iowa, began his college career as a Hawkeye, played 11 games as a true freshman before injuries limited him to just one game as a sophomore, causing him to redshirt that year. He played 2020 at Iowa as well, then transferred to Kansas State for his final two seasons of college football, appearing in 27 games over the past two years uh, at Kansas State. If you like size... He is the guy for you. He is the second biggest cornerback I've got in the top 28. Doesn't seem to have transferred that size into all that much. But if you're looking for traits, a guy with a 9.99 relative athletic score who's almost 6'3 and plays corner, there's a lot of traits going on there. As a fun fact there, his birthday is January 18th of the year 2000, which happens to be the exact same day as Packers edge rusher, Kingsley Inigbare. DJ Turner out of Michigan clocks in at number 58 on the consensus mock draft big board. He's a bit smaller uh, than Brent's, 5'11", 176 pounds, five, or 9.59 relative athletic score, final college or final season coverage grade of 76.2, 20 career ball hawks uh, for Mr. Turner. He's a four-year player with an increasingly big role at Michigan. Never hugely successful, but garnered some like conference-level attention. A guy who's always getting mentioned as like second-team All-Big Ten, media-team All-Big Ten. That's the sort of player that he is. Uh, Not a lot of attention outside of the Big Ten, but still fairly solid within the conference. Definitely out of the super high-end corner range by this point. But Turner has very good athleticism. He did play 56 snaps in the slot in 2022. And if you're looking for speed, he ran a 4-2-6 40-yard dash at the Combine, the best at anybody. And if you're of the opinion that you can't teach speed, well, he wouldn't have much to learn anyway. If nothing else, it seems like Turner, with that sort of speed, has a future in special teams if that's something he decides that he is interested in doing. Our next guy... You can see the problem right off the bat. Clark Phillips out of Utah is number 62 on the consensus mock draft big board. Stop me if you can hear when things start to go south for him a little bit here. He is 5 feet 9 inches tall. Okay, I'll just pause for you right there. Did you catch it? 
That's the problem, really. 5'9", 184 pounds, a relative athletic score of 5.6. It just gets a little bit worse. Still, final season in college, 86.3 coverage grade, not too shabby. 32 career ball hawks. Entering the draft here after his true junior season, played in 31 games at Utah, and outside of you know the coverage grade and the athletic testing, I kind of get it. He very much profiles as a guy, if you read through his bio, who's kind of done all he can do at Utah. 26 starts over the last two years, got there and immediately had a role as a freshman. He's, he's kind of done it all. What else do you really want him to do? Might as well go see if I can make a little money in the pros. Very small, though, but does get after the ball. Did not test very well. I know relative athletic score gets dragged down by size. They want big athletes. I want big athletes. Everybody wants big athletes. But even so, the rule is you can be small or you can be slow, but you can't be small and slow. And Phillips ran just a 4-5-1 40-yard dash. At 5'9", that's a pretty tough sell for a corner. Phillips ranks fourth in Utah history with 232 career interception return yards, had pick sixes in back-to-back games at one point. In fact, in that same span, he had four interceptions, three in one game, one in the next, and two of those four interceptions he returned for touchdowns. Not too shabby. Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami is number 71 on the consensus mock draft big board, six feet tall, 198 pounds, 893 relative athletic score, pretty solid there. 79.5 79.5 final season coverage grade, 24 and a half ball hawks for his career. Just half a ball hawk away from being a tier one prospect for us. Still, overall resume here, pretty solid. He started his career at Georgia before finishing out at Miami, which sounds pretty typical, but there's a little bit more to it than that. I will let Dane Brugler tell the story as he did in his excellent uh, annual Beast draft guide, The Beast. Check it out if you haven't. Excellent, excellent read every year. Here's what Brugler wrote about um, our itinerant friend, Mr. Tyreek Stevenson. Quote, Stevenson picked up offers after his sophomore season of high school. Stevenson picked up offers from UCF in Florida, and he committed to the Gators a month later. He continued to take visits and received several high-profile offers, including Alabama, Florida State, and his hometown, Miami, Florida. After his junior season, Stevenson decommitted from Florida and reopened his recruitment. Ultimately, he narrowed his final choice to Georgia and Miami and committed to the Bulldogs because his mother wanted him to leave the bubble where he grew up. Stevenson was homesick in Athens and had a lot of disagreements with head coach Kirby Smart, who wanted him to play safety or nickel while Stevenson wanted to be a cornerback. After the 2020 season, he entered the transfer portal and received numerous offers but never considered anywhere but returning home to Miami for his two final seasons. End quote. I share that entire anecdote because as we rip through a bunch of these guys, it is always worth remembering that there is a human being behind every one of these numbers and that they're all trying to do their best and that they're all just young men still figuring out their way in the world. A lot of these guys are still in the process of figuring that out. And sometimes that process looks like going through a somewhat circuitous recruiting process going one place, then transferring to somewhere else as you try to figure out who you are and what you want to be within this sport of football and within, I guess, the landscape of your whole life. Stepping off the soapbox, Stevenson has a pretty solid height-weight-athleticism combo. The movement stats suggest he still has some figuring out of things to do, 
uh, just moving back and forth from Georgia to uh, to Miami and, and stuff like that. He may still be figuring out his way as a player. Maybe somebody's still figuring out how to use him. Still uh, seems to be a pretty smart guy, majored in psychology at Georgia. If you're looking for somebody with tools that you can still mold a little bit, somebody like Stevenson, you know, you could do a lot worse. Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, our next prospect up, 81 on the consensus mock draft uh, big board. Williams is five foot ten, 192 pounds. Did not test, or I don't have testing numbers on him. Career coverage grade, excuse me, final season coverage grade of 72.1. 28 career ball hawks. Got his hands on the ball quite a bit. On the smaller side, though he does get his hands on the ball, his 152 tackles ranked 21st in Syracuse history in tackles by a defensive back, even though he only played three full seasons worth of games for the Orange. Honestly, not a ton really stands out here uh, about Williams. At 5'10", he's probably smaller than what the Packers are looking to, to you know commit to. So I think you're, you're probably not going to want to spend a whole ton of time on him uh, as you, you fill out your mock drafts and things like that. Darius Rush out of South Carolina is number 83 on the consensus mock draft. Big Boar, 6'1", nearly 6'2", 198 pounds, 981 relative athletic score, 80.3 coverage grade for his final season in college, 20 career ball hawks. So doesn't get his hands on the ball quite as much as you would you would necessarily like. But I think it's safe to say that he does have some ball skills. How do we know that? Well, he started his career at South Carolina as a wide receiver before switching to cornerback during his redshirt freshman season. He never ended up as a full-time starter for South Carolina, and I think you're probably looking at a special teams guy here. Just never enough at cornerback to really settle in. Probably a bit player in your secondary if you end up drafting him. However, he does have plenty of speed. His 21.65 miles per hour uh, time, I guess, uh, not not time, but speed, was the fastest clocked at the Senior Bowl uh, this year. He can move. 21.65 miles per hour is nothing to sneeze at. Eli Ricks out of Alabama is our next corner up. Six foot two, 188 pounds out of Alabama, 96 on the consensus mock draft big board. However, despite all that size, he did not test particularly well. 5.05 relative athletic score, did not hit our threshold in coverage grade, 72.8. 15 ball hawks, maybe just didn't get all that much playing time. You would wonder about that because he did transfer around a little bit as well. He began his college career at LSU before transferring to Alabama for his final college season, appearing in 10 games for Alabama with five starts. Really strong start to his career at LSU. He was a freshman in 2020, was a freshman All-American, according to the Football Writers Association of America, third-team All-America from the Associated Press, second-team All-SEC from the Associated Press, Press and a member of the freshman All-SAC team from the coaches poll. He was injured in 2021, then transferred to Alabama for the 2022 season. Now he is off to the pros. I think it's probably just a miss for me. Just not good enough as a tester. Doesn't show up elsewhere enough, though the Ballhawks number is, is pushed down a little bit. It's simply by the fact that he didn't play all that much in college. But I, I think you're just giving this a miss. Um, did not stand out. On an admittedly very talented defense uh, for Alabama, but I, I think you're probably just gonna gonna give this guy a miss unless you're looking for some just a, a long corner. Six two is pretty long, uh, and other than that, not a whole lot to go on here. But still, 
hey, you, you could do worse than a guy who's six foot two, I suppose. Finally, Travius Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU is the 99th player on the consensus mock draft big board. Hodges Tomlinson, five foot seven and a half, 178 pounds, eight relative athletic score, 78.4 coverage grade, 44 career ball hawks, a solid, solid tier one player by our older evaluation method. Four-year starter at TCU, culminating in winning the Thorpe Award his final year. And this guy reminds me of somebody that you might have seen in, like, the old NCAA football video games. Somebody who's just a, a dynamo on the field. He's making plays for you left and right, probably ridiculously fast. He's fun to play with because he's just five, seven and a half, just a blast to see out there on the field. And then you export the draft class to Madden and Madden's like, nah, he's probably like a fourth round pick, maybe a, a fifth round sort of guy. And you're like, what? I, I somehow won the Heisman with this guy, even though I never played him on offense. He just returned punts for me and had 40 interceptions his senior year. I, how do you not think this guy is a first round pick? Well, because he's five, seven and a half, and that's just not how things work in the NFL. But for all that, Mr. Hodges Tomlinson was a very consistent performer throughout his career at TCU. He was actually the highest graded corner in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, as a sophomore. May have dropped a little bit with more responsibility over the balance of his career, but still put up plenty solid numbers his final college season as well. It all comes down to size. He measured five, seven and a half. That's just not big enough for an NFL corner. Even his official TCU bio lists him at five foot nine, and you always know that you're going to get a little bit of home cooking in your own team's website. They're just going to list you as being a little bit bigger than you are because that's how those sorts of things work. He's just small, and he's too small to really merit serious consideration unless you're getting into like late day two, day three. It's probably just not going to happen. Even so, he does get his hands on the ball an awful lot. 44 ball hawks is the most, I think, out of anybody on my list. Yes, the most out of anybody on the list. Nobody else got more than 39. It, he's, he, he's gotten it done. He's been small in college. It hasn't slowed him up to this point. It, it's a tough sell in the NFL, but he's, he's gotten it done as of, as of this point in his career. And he's related to an NFL Hall of Famer, too. The Tomlinson part of Hodges Tomlinson in his, his last name puts him as a nephew of great NFL player Ladanian Tomlinson. So there's something you know now. All in all, it's, it's tricky for the Packers. We talked about what they might need from a corner. You might just have to pick somebody with some traits here on day three. And there are some guys, even as we go into like 100 and beyond, who have some really great athletic traits. Some big, tall guys, Corey Trice out of Purdue, uh, 6'3", relative athletic score of 965. Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M, 6'2", 879, relative athletic score, just going down my list here. Makai Garner out of LSU, 6'2", 212 pounds, some big, strong corners who can run. Maybe that's all the Packers need if they're looking to add talent to the back end of their their cornerback depth chart. There even are some guys with some, you know, slot ability in there too. Kytrell Clark out of Louisville played 252 snaps in the slot, though his athleticism numbers are not great. There are some options there. It's just a matter of trying to figure out when you start thinking about 
taking a corner. And I don't know if there's a really clear answer to that. It's going to depend a lot, I think, on on how the rest of the draft breaks for the Packers and what the Packers decide they end up needing to do with the rest of their roster as a whole. It's not a huge pressing need at corner, but they could always use a little bit more talent there. And I think as we saw in 2021, when you start chipping away at that depth, suddenly you start having to patch a whole bunch of holes at once, and then things start getting really complicated from there. So I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I, I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.